Welcome to the Careers, Employability and Skills podcast from Queen's University Belfast. This episode was recorded during a webinar featuring professionals working across different sectors and industries who have a psychology degree and is hosted by Claudine Sutherlands from the Queen's Careers, Employability and Skills Department. My name is Claudine Sutherland and I'm going to be your host for this webinar and shortly I'm going to tell you a little bit about the session, the structure and the objectives as well as introduce our four panellists. But first, your Head of School, Theresa McCormick, is going to say a few words of introduction. So over to you, Theresa. Okay, so welcome uh, particularly to uh, our uh, speakers from outside organisations who are going to be contributing to our panel today. I'll let uh, Claudine introduce each of them in detail, but we have Sinead, Sandra and Alison and Sarah, who have all come from a number of different organisations, and we'll say a little bit about those uh, to all of you tonight. Um, I'm really grateful for those contributors who've taken the time to actually assist the next generation of psychology students. Um, and we're hoping that hearing from these contributors will be valuable to all of our students in terms of understanding the kind of different range of career options um, or professions that might be open to them um, after they finish their studies. Um, and it's going to be particularly interesting to hear um, about how psychological expertise might be useful in, a, in a, quite a diverse range of different workplaces. Um, now, we do try to emphasise to our students and to our potential students um, uh, about um, the way in which this kind of expertise can be useful in different workplaces, but I don't think anything can beat actually hearing it from people who, who, who are out in the workforce and who've got really um, useful things to say about that. Um, so uh, welcome also to our students who've joined us, even though it's a rather unusual time of day, we didn't want to clash with any other classes. Um, and we know the timetable is quite busy across all of the different years and programmes. Um, so this is a time that, that seemed to work for most people. I know that a lot of our students will have gone into psychology maybe thinking that they might end up in a, in a clinical or an educational psychology pathway and that will indeed be true for some people. Um, but today is really an opportunity to think about um, the other types of career options that might exist beyond those sort of professional um, pathways. And I think um, it's particularly important at the minute for students <coughs> start to consider a variety of um, different career opportunities that might be available to them, particularly given um, the sort of difficult situation there is at the moment with regard to graduate career opportunities in the graduate career market. Now, um, obviously, we really hope um, that by the time um, this cohort of students graduates that things will have picked up um, in terms of the graduate employment market. And I think um, the signs of that are probably um, looking good in the longer term. Uh, but however things turn out, I hope that um, the event today will help our students take advantage of whatever kinds of opportunities um, uh, do come up after they graduate. And um, so thanks very much again to our contributors and welcome to all the students who've joined us. I'm gonna hand over to Claudine who will be ably chairing the rest of the session. Thanks. Brilliant, thanks. Thanks very much, Teresa. Um, guys, so as I said, my name is Claudine and, and I work with Terry, your careers consultant in, in CES, but more in the employer facing end. So I'm not a face that you'd probably be familiar with at the moment, but I ensure that as many grad roles and information about those roles as possible are visible to you as possible. Um, and as part of that, I've organised two events this academic year for you, one in semester two around direct roles, working as different types of psychologists. Um, and today's event, which is obviously about exploring different ways you can consider using your skills in the broader market. Um, as Teresa said, some of you might already have a clear view on the pathway you want to take post-graduation. Some of you might sort of be unsure and some of you really won't have thought about it at all yet. And either way, it's fine. What is important is to keep an open mind about options and avail of opportunities as they come your way, both as a student and when you walk, go into to the market. So I'm delighted to be joined, um, as we said, by four employers today, all coming from different types of organisations and doing different roles. And they're going to talk to you a bit about some of the exciting variety of ways that you might use your very coveted, might I say, qualitative and quantitative skills. And I'm a proud site grad myself, um, so that's why I'm plugging that bit. But yeah, as you move out of university and into market. So um, 
Welcome to Sandra Wright from Ulster Bank, Alison Long from Belfast City Council, ladies, if you want to do a, a wee hand wave there, um, Sarah Delaney from PwC and Sinead Fox Hamilton from Chartered Accountants Ireland. And you're very, very welcome this evening. So, um, folks, I've asked each of our speakers to give an initial overview of literally just five or seven minutes, between five and seven minutes around a bit about their organisation, a bit about their career path and their current role and what skills from psychology graduates are useful in their organisation and why. Um, so after we've heard from all four of our speakers, we'll have a good 25 minutes to get into really what we hope will be a nice interactive and informal Q&A with them to pick up any of the relevant points that, that you think are useful to you. So we'll have all the, the video, the audio and cameras off, which I think basically everyone's done. But as the, the speakers talk, please feel free to keep adding questions through chat and then we'll pick them up in the in the latter half. So over to you and we'll start with Sandra, if that's OK. And we'll just the rest of us can turn off our um, our audio when Sandra speaks. So Sandra, over to you and thank you very much for, for coming along this afternoon. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thanks very much, Claudine, for the introduction. Um, so just a little bit about um, me, first of all. So uh, Sandra Wright, I uh, work for NatWest, actually, and Ulster Bank is part of the NatWest group. Um, my role is uh, a group-wide ro role, which I'll come back to very shortly. I um, graduated with my degree from Queen's in 1999, uh, so quite a while ago, um, uh, but uh, I have very fond memories of my time in the David Keir building. So I loved it so much, I actually went back and did a master's a year later and graduated in occupational psychology in 2000. So occupational psychology obviously um, very much links into the world of work, um, which kind of then sets the scene for my career path thereon. Um, my, um, so um, once I graduated from my master's, I decided I wanted to work in recruitment for a little while. Um, at that time, uh, it, it was Celtic Tiger um, in uh, Republic of Ireland. I was attracted by the excitement of that, moved out to Dublin and I worked in recruitment for about a year and two months. Quickly realised that wasn't for me. Um, I went back to my roots a little bit and worked as an occupational psychologist then for a number of years in Dublin. Dublin as well. I really loved um, working as an occupational psychologist because it allowed me to apply the skills I had learned in my master's around things like um, career development for people, leadership development, um, assessing people's suitability for roles, um, all of those organisational design things really, really, really played into the things that I learned as part of my master's degree. I then decided I missed Belfast so much I wanted to move back and I um, moved back north of the border again and uh, got a role with Deloitte and I worked in Deloitte for a, quite a few years actually as a consultant in their human capital practice. At that time, Deloitte were very keen on um, on securing psychology graduates, occupational psychology graduates in particular. And I would say that quite a few people from in my team at that time had uh, come through the same pathway as me, degree in psychology and then a postgraduate degree in, um, in occupational psychology. In those consultant houses, um, you get a really good experience of different types of organisations. You are going out and doing lots of different projects, whether that be for public or private sector. And that was certainly my experience as I spent my years in Deloitte. They're also a really good training ground. So in, in, in university, you get a really good theoretical background and you understand all of the models, all of that. And then you go into the world of work and uh, in the likes of Deloitte and some of the other consultancy houses like that, you get some really fantastic consultancy training if that's something that you're, you're interested in. Then um, I um, moved to Ulsterbank um, and I've been there since. So, so that was um, 14 years ago last month. And when I joined Ulsterbank, I said I wouldn't stay for very long because I thought that I, I was consultant um, through and through. The reason I joined Ulsterbank was that at that time they were very interested in bringing people in from consulting and also um, with psychology background as well. 
And actually, I was talking to somebody, a work colleague, just before this, and I was saying what I was doing. And uh, she said to me, oh, the bank love a psychology graduate, don't they? So, so this is something that I have definitely seen as I have got, um, as I've worked through my career in the bank. And um, there is an awful lot of psychology graduates around me, both within HR and actually in the wider bank as well. Um, so I um, joined the bank and I worked as a HR consultant at that time and I was very much working directly with the business, helping them um, shape, deliver and define their people plan and, and deliver through that. I um, have done a, the reason I've stayed so long in the bank is that whilst I've been here for about 14 years, I've probably had about six different careers in that time. I have done a variation of different roles, including business facing HR consultant type jobs, business partnering jobs, and that kind of takes me to where I am today, which I'm going to spend a little bit of time on. So right now I am the HR business partner for three different business areas, and they are group business areas, which brings me back to my earlier point around my role being being a NatWest group role, of which Osterbank is part of. I look after three business areas, financial crime and controls, fraud prevention, and shared services. These are the back office areas of the bank, basically the bits of the bank that keeps everything ticking along. But you wouldn't necessarily see those parts of the bank because they're not out there on the high street and the branches as such. My role looks after about about 8,000 people and they are spread across the globe, predominantly UK, uh, Poland and India, but also I have a scattering of people in the States, in Singapore, Japan and other ones and twos over the globe as well. So I have gone from being a very much a island of Ireland focused role whenever I joined the bank um, back 14 years ago to a truly global role now. And that's probably the thing that has made me stay. Um, that's um, I've really grown my career and actually I've been able to build on the skills. Thinking right back to when I was in Queens all those many years ago, studying from a basic degree and then my master's degree, I've been able to take all of that and apply it and build on it as I've worked through my career. So Claudine, that was probably all I was planning to say at this point. No problem, thank you. And I think it's good to just get that initial snapshot and then we can we can build on that as we move through into the Q&A. So thank you very much, Sandra. Of course. Um, and next we're going to hear from Alison Long from Belfast City Council. So if you want to turn your, um, your camera on again, Alison. Okay. Um, thank you very much for uh, allowing me the time to come and chat a bit about Belfast City Council. Um, I have been with the council for 38 years um, and I initially started in a department that no longer exists. It was the gas department, which uh, supplied Towns Gas to the city of Belfast. And when it closed down, I was transferred into the old personnel section. And I have just progressed through that. Um, I, when I left school, I left in lower six. I decided I didn't want to go to university. And the careers advice I got was there's no point in staying at school. Um, so I got the job with the council and I'm still there 38 years later. Um, the role that I'm in now is more focused on our community outreach programme. So working with schools, colleges, universities, disability organisations, etc. Um, talking to them about work, work experience in the council, the careers that are, we have, and also then providing work experience opportunities across all our departments. Um, another aspect of the work that I really enjoy is actually the equality and diversity side um, of the uh, HR section, and I focus more on the internal equality and diversity um, work that goes on. So that's anything from action plans, uh, developing action plans, uh, doing all the statutory monitoring reports, etc. So that's just a wee bit about myself. Um, whilst I was uh, in HR, I did go on and do my uh, Chartered Institute for Personnel and Development. Um, and I know from working in HR, again, that a lot of our staff, other members of our staff have done both CIPD and then they have gone on to do postgrad in occupational psychology, et cetera, as well. Um, so that has been really helpful. Um, just a bit about the council then and sort of setting the scene for where psychology students can fit in. 
The council, uh, Belfast, the largest council in Northern Ireland, and um, we have about 340,000 um, residents within our boundary. Um, there are 60 elected members and they provide the uh, strategic leadership and direction uh, for us. Council employs um, around 2,300 staff um, and they're really our best asset to delivering the services that we have. Um, services include the likes of street cleansing, uh, waste management, health protection, local environmental improvement schemes, um, economic development. And then we obviously run a lot of facilities um, such as our parks, open spaces, leisure centres. We don't actually employ the staff now for the leisure centres, but the, the buildings do still belong to us. Um, we have um, a community plan which is focal to everything that we do, and it's called the Belfast Agenda. And it focuses on Belfast becoming a welcoming, safe, fair and inclusive city where everyone benefits from the, the success of the city. Um, then in 2015, as a result of local government reform, the council uh, got new powers um, that, that we didn't previously have, and they include land use planning, community planning, off-street parking and some extended economic development. Um, responsibilities. And just a bit about the Belfast Agenda, which will help set the scene again for where psychology students sort of can fit in. The um, community or the Belfast Agenda is our vision that will take us up to 2035. So it's, it was a 20-year plan and we worked with a lot of um, partner organisations such as Invest NI, Tourism NI, universities, colleges, public health agency, health and social care trust, um, libraries, etc. And the plan has four bold, ambitious themes with targets. And the four themes are growing the economy, living here, um, city development, and working and learning. So. For example, undergrowing the economy, we want to create employment opportunities um, and more than ever due to the pandemic and Brexit also as well, we need to be looking at um, how we're going to do that in the days, months, weeks ahead. We want to be able to attract investment into the city and reduce economic inequalities and in increase tourism spend. For living here, we're keen to improve our neighbourhoods, improve good relations, enable active health and empowered citizens, um, support younger and older people and with a lot of uh, things going on around that and reducing the life's inequalities. So that's about investing in prevention of suicide, self-harm, uh, community safety, investing in leisure prov provisions, etc. The city development then, we want to develop our city's infrastructure and improve connectivity and a lot of work has been done, for example, with Cumber or the Conswater Community Greenway and they're looking at developing a new greenway between North and West Belfast. Um, drive the physical and cultural regeneration of the city centre and um, build a lot of new sort of uh, accommodation and hotels and the transport hub etc so there's lots going on there and then working and learning and that's about addressing the inequalities that exist in the city and increasing skills attainment and one example of that um, recently is we have taken the lead on a support program for children doing their GCSEs and it's um, GCSE maths and English and it's about helping them with revision and um, study skills etc. So our economic development team are leading on that. Um, and again, we want to reduce poverty and, and economic activity. To do that, um, we need staff um, to actually do the research around all that um, and that's where um, sort of psychology students have come in in the past and they have helped us with uh, on particular uh, projects that we have been working on and they have um, done some benchmarking and research for us um, 
and that has been really useful. We don't normally go out for um, jobs that ask for a specific um, psychology degree, but what I would say is there are many, many research type posts that we would go out for uh, and policy posts that we would go out for that we just ask for a third level qualification. We're not specific around that. Um, and what we would ask people to do then is that if they apply for a post on the basis of a qualification that they have, um, we would ask them to give us more detail in terms of the modules um, and how they demonstrate they feel it's equivalent to uh, in terms of the breadth and, and the level, etc. Um, and what I we sort of encourage people to do is put the form in on that basis and let the uh, shortlisting uh, panel decide whether you're eligible or not. Don't be ruling yourself out. Let them decision. The type of skills then we would use if it was like a research post, a policy type post that we would be looking for, the type of skills would be analytical um, skills, problem solving, decision making skills. Um, communication skills are really, really important, especially if you're going out into the communities and, and engaging with the citizens of Belfast. Um, so we're talking about our good written communicate and oral communication skills. Um, and you'd be working with a, um, a range, a big, a different audiences. So it would be your co colleagues, managers, potentially elected members if you were in working, and members of the public. And then again, research and benchmarking skills would be really important to us. Um, work planning, project management, and partnership working. So you know, it's about this stage whilst you're in university to try to get as much experience as you can around that. Um, and the personal attributes then again that could be demonstrated um, are sort of demonstrate that you're self-motivated, that you're a good team player and um, you're flexible in your approach to work and um, council. You don't just get working in one thing. You know, there's different demands all the time from different people and you have to be able to be flexible in, in managing those uh, demands. And again, working to tight deadlines, you know, that's very often you get that sort of email to say, I need this by yesterday. And um, so it's being able to work to tight de deadlines. And Sandra, um, do you mind if I just interrupt you there? I'm looking at the clock and um, no, that's fine. really want to ask questions. But I think what's really interesting, what you're saying there as well, asking about these breadth and depth of really interesting generalist roles yeah. that would be useful for psychology, um, not just, I guess, within Belfast City Council, but are relevant across local government, across well, that's uh, it. Northern Ireland. So it's, it's, it's really useful to start to think about these rules that perhaps people hadn't even necessarily thought existed before. And I think because we work with a range of partners like Public Health Agency, yeah. the Health Trust and that, you know, we're all working on similar projects. So it's important even to start thinking about those wider public sector organisations as well and the other sort of agencies. And how the, the partnership piece And how works. that partnership works, yeah. Yeah, it's really, it is, it's interesting and it's a huge area. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so guys, keep the, the questions coming through there. If anything that you have, we, we can pick up afterwards. So thank you very much for that introduction, no Alison. And if we move on to Sarah now, please. Hi, Sarah. Let me just unmute myself. Can you hear me okay and see me? Yeah. Okay. Thanks so much. Um, so I am a psychology graduate as well. So I graduated in 2015 um, and my story is a little bit different because I went straight to work from school and went to psychology, went to university as a mature student at the ripe old age of 25. So um, that sort of made me feel um, a bit funny that that was a mature student. So I'm not sure if there are any mature students on here. Um, and then what happened after I completed my degree, I wasn't quite sure what to do with it. So I think psychology is a fab degree in terms of the amount of skills that you get. You know, it's so, so broad. You can join so many places, but that also, if you don't have that direct path, you know, um, in psychology, can actually leave you feeling a little bit lost whenever you graduate. 
Um, so what happened is I got offered the opportunity to work in the HR department where I was, which was IKEA, so um, big retailer, small HR department in the Belfast store. And um, what actually happened is I found that I loved HR. Um, and I, you can see today, you know, there's quite a few HR people. And I think it's whenever you do psychology, you have that interest in people. And that's maybe what attracts a lot of us to HR. Um, so I did that for three years and it was quite a general role. And one of the things I liked the best, and it was engagement and recruitment. So that led me then to apply for PwC. Um, this time last year, actually, I started um, in the recruitment um, side of things. So I work for student recruitment. And um, recently, I got a new role in talent engagement in the UK. So with recruitment, you know, you use a lot of your skills from psychology um, <clears throat> in terms of, you know, communication and problem solving and working tight deadlines, you know, as other people have mentioned. In my new role in talent engagement, I get to be very creative. So I get to design a lot of the online content and I obviously deliver it um, and do presentations and organize um, events and ambassadors. So a lot of my skills that I would use from psychology um, are, you know, the networking side of things, working with people. And actually I'm doing um, a series of online events now that are all based around um, unconscious bias so I really enjoy being able to use that psychology knowledge um, to do that. Whenever I graduated you know I sort of had in mind that I wanted to do um, maybe forensic psychology, maybe um, work with animals or actually occupational psychology as well um, but I just couldn't face another year of study and I um, just wanted to get back into work. So um, it's something that I always think, you know, I, I can go back um, and study. So um, that is what kept me in the world of business. So now in PwC, um, there are lots of areas that you can join as a graduate. So um, a bit like Alison, we don't require any specific degree. So it doesn't matter if, you know, a lot of people think of PwC as an accountancy firm. And I know that I always saw PwC at the career affairs at Queen's and I actually didn't go anywhere near them. So it's really funny now that I've ended up here um, because it just wasn't somewhere that I ever considered that I'd want to work because I thought, you know, it's very corporate and um, it's all accountancy based and it's very professional and it's maybe just not for me. But actually what I found is it totally is for me and it's definitely the right place for me to be. We are an accountancy firm, but there's so much more than that. So, you know, we recruit graduates into consultancy, tax um, deals, you know, working with different clients and different mergers, um, actuarial and audit as well, of course, and accountancy. So there's a whole range of things you can do at PwC, um, you know, varied across the whole board. So there's so many things, you know, that psychology gives you and so many skills that you can apply to all those different areas um, that you may not have thought of before. So consultancy is, you know, one of the areas that PwC do that psychology graduates might be interested in. So um, it's very much working with clients and problem solving and finding solutions for those clients. So someone might come to us um, looking to do a new business merger or something like that. So our consultancy team would look into that for them um, and, you know, be their sounding board and their advisors. Um, so that's just some of the areas that you know I went along and some of the areas of PwC you can join and I'm um, more than happy to take any questions that you have about any of that as well. Fabulous thank you very much and she says we can we can come back on that and I think you know for the student audience as well like don't be put off by some of those terminologies or you know like maybe business mergers because you know, there, there, there's teams leading these things and you're all part of that bigger team and it, you know, and it's you've got a supportive role within it, don't you? So exactly, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So last but not least, we'll hear from Sinead Fox Hamilton and Sinead is from the Chartered Account Chartered Accountants in Ireland. So hi Sinead, if you want to turn your camera on. Sure. Thanks so much, Claudine, um, for having me along into the School of Psychology. So um, as Claudine says, my name is Sinead Fox Hamilton, folks, and I am a relationship manager with Chartered Accountants Ireland. My role is, I suppose, a, a communications role um, in its simplest terms. I look after showcasing the profession to um, future students of Chartered Accountants Ireland and also working with employers then to grow the number of employer supported training opportunities within the Chartered Accountancy profession. So I suppose as a body, we are keen to attract the brightest and the best, but from all backgrounds, which isn't often known or appreciated. Um, and we find our employer partners who we work for really welcome 
and indeed endorse a mixed skill set and really welcome students coming from all degree disciplines, maybe not that notion that you have to come from an accounting or a business or a finance background to be able to go on and become a professionally qualified chartered accountant. Now, I'm not here just in a, pro a promotional pitch capacity. I myself am a chartered accountant and actually came through an unrelated um, pathway myself. So I studied law at Queen's, so not psychology, but I suppose the essence is the same if you're considering maybe unrelated roles in that I moved from a, um, a pathway, which, you know, I suppose looking at it in its traditional um, form that I was on the road to becoming either, you know, solicitor, lawyer, um, barrister, um, if, if you like, but actually chose to go down a completely unrelated pathway. And I was completely unaware that chartered accountancy would be open to me. And it was only by luck that actually KPMG, which is the firm I trained with, happened to come into the Peter Froggett Centre one day at the end of one of my lectures and say, we want to talk to law grads. And um, so if you want to come upstairs, there's some free pens and offer, which is always a coup. So up we went to hear a bit about chartered accountancy. And to me, chartered accountancy was boring. You know, it's, it was going to be just number crunching, bean counting, and it was a far cry from what I saw myself doing. Um, but I have to say, now, I, my mind was completely blown and I got a full appreciation of actually what was involved. It is a business leadership qualification. I didn't really have a notion that that was the case. Um, so I was sold and I applied, as I say, to KPMG and trained with them, um, uh, I suppose, a professional services firm and stayed there for the length of my training period. So to qualify as a chartered accountant, I suppose, to, to touch on that, um, after you complete your degree, you can come on to our programme. We are the education body, Chartered Accountants Ireland, and then also the membership body. So when you qualify, you belong to our institution. So you qualify by completing our education programme, but equally, you also have to undertake relevant work experience, and you do that then with a with an approved employer. So there's many of them, and um, you know, Sarah, who spoke before me, for, um, just before me, not just now. PwC is obviously a huge employer partner of ours. You'll you'll know all the major accounting firms, but actually, you will find chartered accountants from all backgrounds working across all sectors. So you know, third sector, public sector, business, and obviously. Um, accounting practice as well um, and I, I don't think that's maybe um, widely known so in terms of I suppose background or coming in from a related backdrop our employer partners welcome that I often get asked well you know will they not favour a student coming from the likes of accounting or finance or business not necessarily because they don't want everybody around their table to have the exactly the same thought process or methodology or ways of going about things they really embrace diversity and creativity in the workplace, you know, that really helps them excel and, you know, challenges new ideas, forces them to innovate and I suppose to disrupt the norm, which is what we all have to do, I suppose, in the modern workplace. So I've seen students successfully transition. Now I work obviously for the, the brand, if you like, but between me qualifying with the accounting practice, I've enjoyed a really mixed variety um, in my in my I suppose professional career history after I worked in practice I went and I worked in industry so in Bombardier for a year in uh, um, it was a commercial financial analyst role so that was using so was my analytical skills and um, something that I know that you guys will be strong on and um, looking at I suppose, the the profitability of various repair contracts within the Bombardier repairs division and whether that was working for the business could we do things better um, was it going to be cheaper? Should we outsource things? Should we build things in house instead? How much is it going to run um, cost to run that line and to put guys in the, the shop or the factory floor at, at producing these widgets? In fact, let's ship them in from China, wherever it might be. So that was a, a year in that role. And then I went on to banking and I worked in Ulster Bank for three years looking after a portfolio of distressed business customers. So completely unrelated. What I would say is Chartered Accountancy has given me a passport to a career of choice. So that was looking after businesses. This is recession time. So you're talking 2011, 2012, 2013. And these guys were really struggling financially. And I suppose what the, the, the program will give you is absolutely a numerical aptitude and ability to deal with financial reporting, accounting, all those things that you would imagine it would. But it's much more than that. It's about, I suppose, dealing with people. Communication skills are key, which people don't, again, maybe fully appreciate. The ability to make good decisions, to weigh up, qualitative and quantitative um, data um, to use, I suppose, critical thinking um, and to be, I suppose, a strategist and to influence others. 
So that emotional intelligence piece, while you might not think it is absolutely core to becoming a good chartered accountant, because ultimately this is a business leadership passport. So I found that was critical because the first thing I did every day in the bank was bounce checks on customers because they couldn't afford to, I suppose, to, to cover them. And you can imagine when my phone started to ring, it wasn't to say good morning. So I was dealing with all sorts of personas in the far end. And I was having to use that emotional intelligence, which I developed through the course and which I had picked up in my law degree. And no doubt you guys have picked this up on how to deal with people to navigate through tumultuous times. After the bank, then I worked in recruitment. I know we've heard about um, recruitment earlier. I had four years working with people, helping businesses match talent. And that was a specialist accountancy and finance role. And um, so helping candidates, helping the businesses, joining the dots, what is a fit, what works, what doesn't work. And then ultimately that's led me to this role, which as I said at the start is a communications role. Yet despite my background and my profession now is a chartered accountant, having come through a law degree. So I suppose my message in this evening, folks, is just to, you know, maybe consider you know chartered accountancy um, within your um, decision making looking forward. We absolutely welcome um, psychology students and all those skills that you are developing are critically important within our profession, even though you maybe have not appreciated, as I say, the critical thinking, the evaluation, the just strategic decision-making, weighing up quality and quantitative um, information, an ability to adapt, um, an ability, um, I suppose, to work with people and um, work in teams is absolutely um, vital within our profession. And there is huge demand for chartered accountants. So in these times of COVID, what we are finding is that we cannot even still service the demand. And um, last year we had a record breaking number of students come in and train with us and with our employer partners. We are looking at matching that this year. Our enrollment is just closing. And, and that's fantastic. Even in times of COVID, there's still demand for chartered accountants across the market. So it's a really stable profession. And as I say, it very much opens doors and offers you uh, a passport to a career of choice, whether it's in traditional accounting and finance roles or indeed wider management, sales, operations, myself, communications, marketing, you name it. Um, so look, I've probably spoken enough there, folks, but I hope that gives you a flavour of just the breadth um, and the passport that the Chartered Accountancy Qualification can give you either at home or abroad because it is internationally recognised. So hopefully that's a, a flavour anyway, um, Claudine. Thank you very much. So four really good whistle-stop um, initial kind of insights there. So can I just ask Alison Sandra, Sinead, you've got yours on, and so Sarah, so Alison Sandra, if you want to turn your, your cameras on. Um, ladies, and it is it is all ladies, isn't it? Um, thank you so much for that initial insight. I think some really good, interesting points coming out there. And I just want to reiter reiterate to our audience, you know, the point of this session is not to um, get you to, you know, think along a consultancy necessarily or accountancy or local government or a banking um, back uh, career path. The point of this session is actually to open your mind up as to where the skills that you have can go. And I think, Sinead, you just summarised um, some of the four points that you were all making there really well. And that's that psychology students and graduates have excellent analytical and critical thinking skills, as well as this emotional intelligence, adaptability, ability to influence piece, which is actually becoming increasingly important. I've heard from employers um, in this complex environment, you know, post-COVID and Brexit, it's really, really important to, to be adaptable and to be changeable um, within your career. Um, so a generalist career coming out or degree is, is, is so, so important. So I think that's that's a really useful point. Maybe if I can just ask the very first question and just very quickly from each of the four of you. But, you know, if there is if there's a transferable skill that you feel that is really important to your organisation, we mentioned, you know, a few there. But is there any perhaps if we start with you, Sandra, that you feel are, are really important now more than ever? within your organization it's probably flexibility and adaptability um yeah. Claudine to be honest with you um I think everything that I have seen in my career not just in the bank but in the other roles that I've done prior to joining the bank as well if you are willing to be flexible the sky's the limit um don't yeah. box yourself in um don't don't decide that this is the only route for you and this is a linear thing so so be open, I suppose, you know, thinking about the hints and tips, be open to everything. Um, don't rule yourself in or out of things. And I can't remember who was it that said, let the let the panel make, I think it might have been Alison, let the panel make the decision. I think that's a really good advice. Don't don't look at something and say, oh, I can't do that because one thing I don't have. Let that panel make that decision and don't rule yourself in. Be flexible, be adaptable. That's the transferable thing. 
Yeah, and that's for people at all levels of their career, really, isn't it? So it's important. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Alison, anything to add there? No, I think that, you know, that would probably what I would choose as well. And I think, you know, the business environment that we're all working in is changing so quickly. I mean, who would have thought this time last year would be where we are? And organisations have to adapt really, really quickly to that. And therefore, they need their employees to be able to, to go with them on that um, and be able to change really quickly in yeah. terms of the way they work as well and helping in other teams etc as well around that yeah there's something around complex teamwork and yeah you know, within and beyond your, your organization yeah, sure. as you talked about mm -hmm. in the council as well and yeah. um, sarah anything to, to add on that i think i just totally agree um with what the two ladies said there so you know adaptability the day-to-day and sort of for your career so you know be open to change and be open to new opportunities you know um like we said there you know just apply for things you know that you think would really suit you um and i think it's really important to take every opportunity you're given you know if you're asked do you want to try something new do you want to work on a new project even if it sort of makes you a bit nervous and you're not quite sure that's when you get the most development um, and that adaptability is definitely something that we recruit on um and definitely a good skill to sort of to take to any employer really Fantastic. Um, and we'll move on there because I think we started off with your points. So we'll, we'll, we've kind of gone full circle. So we've got quite a few questions here. So we'll think, we'll probably won't ask everyone to an answer each, but maybe just one or one or two of you. And the first one is actually directed at Sandra. And that's how do you apply your psychology um, education in your day to day role? Have you got any examples? There's probably, I saw this coming in, so um, I was thinking about it, and there's probably two things that I would call out. So so first of all, when I think about occupational psychology, it's about, about helping organisations and workplaces to be more effective. So every day I do that, um, and that can play through in a number of different ways. So whether that is doing an organisation review to make sure that we are structured properly, and that's something that I've done a huge amount over the last um, while uh, or the last few years because the bank is transforming and uh, we need to respond to just diff different ways customers want to engage with us. Um, recruitment, training, all of those things draw in those core occupational skills, occupational psychology skills. But then thinking back to the very fundamentals and the basics of psychology and understanding how people tick and how people think, um, that also plays through day and daily in my job. So understanding what motivates people, what 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 what's going to get somebody out of bed to do their job um, as well as they possibly can. So that very fundamentals and basics of psychology, you apply that all of the time. As no doubt do all four of you. And um, do, do most people who are doing their job well, particularly when they're they're working in, in a management position or a position where you have to influence people? Absolutely. Um, fantastic. Okay, so if someone here has just finished their master's in occupational and uh, their master's degree, but it isn't occupational, um, is it going to be difficult for me to to get into occupational psychology without masters in that area? Sarah, I don't know if you want to pick that up because you're working not directly in occupational psychology, but obviously within maybe the that HR consultancy angle. I think for ours, we don't have any specific grad routes into HR, so HR would be more of an experienced hire route. Um, and occupational um, psychology, it wouldn't be a specific graduate role. So, you know, um, all of our grad routes come with a professional qualification. You know, Sinead mentioned, for example, the audit comes with, you know, fully funded qualification. Um, so in terms of those other ones, you know, it would be probably more an experienced hire. Um, and I imagine it would make it slightly more difficult because, and Sandra could maybe, you know, add a little bit of information there with hers, but I think most occupational psychologists would have a master so it'd probably be quite competitive if he didn't have it so yeah yeah, yeah. And, and you know occupational psychology is a specific discipline within psychology so to call yourself an occupational psychologist and operate as an occupational psychologist you need to have completed not only a, your master's degree but also your chartership um so so to be to be a very you know to take that very specifically you need to complete both of both of those elements um uh, via the, the the bps to do the, the chartership piece um that doesn't mean that you can't 
work in HR or HR consulting, as you've heard. Um, so it is very broad. And like others have said, you know, we don't hire in the bank, we don't hire occupational psychologists. We don't specifically look for psychology as a graduate. It's much more open in our graduate program. Um, we look for all manner of degrees. So we have people that have joined as graduates who might have anything from an anthropology degree to social work to law to psychology. So, so it's really, really open and um, back to the earlier point be flexible just um keep yourself open to all opportunities but to that specific question to be a pure occupational psychologist you would need to have done your master's in occupational psychology and followed through that um occupational psychology chartership as well yeah okay so they can have a think maybe about the the gray area between those options and where to move forward yeah. um okay one for alan allison sorry then so um how can we find more about the range of job opportunities and potential um, placements within the council. So I know there is an avenue then, guys, where um, those opportunities as and when they come in will be put up in my future. Um, and obviously will be talked about in, in particular affairs throughout 2021. But Alison, do you want to add on that in terms of maybe very broad potential timelines? Yeah. Um, the jobs, the council doesn't have a graduate programme. You know, I need to stress that at the start. Um, so any jobs that we have are just open to, to everyone. Um, we advertise all our jobs on our website. And for people who are interested, they can actually sign up um, and have emails sent to them, notifications sent to them when we advertise posts. In terms of placement opportunities, um, we do offer a range of uh, short term placements and they would come through me. Any requests would actually be sent uh, to me. And then I would try to source those with the department, the relevant departments. Fantastic, thank you. And then just another question that's come up actually for you, just to sideline it. Um, I spoke to someone at a fair last week who advised me of a role involving a hands-on reducing underage drinking and antisocial behaviour. And his psychology was not a degree which would be considered for this role. So they're asking if this is correct, but I guess that's a case by case and you wouldn't necessarily know the, the detail of every particular role. No. But yeah, but you have said before that in general, a lot of the generalist rules don't actually. A lot of the generalist rules don't have um, don't have specific qualifications attached to them. But we generally ask for some experience, you know, so because it's not just pure graduate jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So it wouldn't necessarily be in the site grad. It very probably would have been the wanted more of an experience. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, Sarah, what work experience or volunteering did you bring to Queen's and um, throughout your time with us, um, if any at all? That's the next yeah. one. So <clears throat> because I was in the workplace first, you know, I've gone straight after A-levels and I didn't intend to stay for so long, but I just really, you know, connected with IKEA and I learned so many skills in the world of work. So I would encourage anybody who is studying to get that work experience alongside because um, I think it stood me in such good stead to have a degree and the work experience. Um, so you learn a lot about teamwork, about, you know, team management, even customer service. You know, you get so much um, experience for problem solving, you're dealing with uncomfortable conversations, all that sort of stuff. Um, and while I was at Queen's, I also um, volunteered during the summer um, for the Leukemia Fund um, based over in the hospital. Um, and I did that for, I think it was for the full two months. And it was something I would really recommend as well because it added extra skills that I hadn't learned maybe in work. So, you know, I did project management um, and fundraising for them. So any opportunities you have to get a bit of work experience, um, be it volunteering or paid, I would strongly recommend that you do that as well. Okay. And another question for you, Sarah, was that um, could you advise if there's a direct route um, into working in recruitment and careers within PwC? Yeah, I'd say that question as well. Um, there is no graduate route. Um, it's more of an experienced higher position and you would just need to keep an eye out. There's nothing in um, Northern Ireland at the minute or actually in the UK, but <clears throat> it tends to be a role that sort of is more recruited internally first, so they don't come up very often. Um, what you could do, we um, have external recruiters that work, you know, in PwC but aren't paid by PwC. For example, we use Ramstad at the minute, so maybe you know something like that might be um, a way to sort of get the experience in PwC and maybe apply for something that comes up internally. And am I right that you're within recruitment in PwC in the careers team? There's usually a placement, um, a placement student that would be like a recruitment assistant throughout the year. Is that? Um, 
Yes, ordinarily. So um, not every single office um, has a recruitment system. Ours um, this year, she actually wasn't a student, but um, they usually do stay for one year and they're an H, uh, sorry, a business partner, but they come in um, in their penultimate year um, of university to, to work with us for a year. Yeah. Okay, so keep an eye out then on PwC's website and on my future for those opportunities as they yeah. come up. And I'm just gonna, yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm just going to put a wee link for our graduate jobs just in the chat if anybody is interested. Um, that, that's the page if you wanted to refer to it. Fantastic. Um, so Sinead, question for you. Can you advise on generally in postgrad accountancy training and the awarding bodies? Um, and if there's anything then students should directly focus on in terms of, you know, their, their, their modules. Sure. Um, so what I would say up front is the Instagram page for Chartered Accountants Ireland is a dedicated sort of careers and opportunity and profession showcase hub. So if you are interested in, I suppose, exploring this further, I would definitely encourage you to go and have a follow of that and uh, follow of that page. We're bringing um, even employers um, on to the employer spotlight series and they are talking about their opportunities. And even just today, I was recording another session with an employer who have live graduate opportunities some that are recruiting right now some are recruiting for next autumn and they are you know saying in black and white on that employer spotlight series which is on the igtv we actively want students from all backgrounds so you know it's more relevant than ever you know talking to you guys even though you might feel it's unrelated it's absolutely still relevant and um, the way the profession works is to qualify as a chartered accountant you complete our academic program but you cannot qualify without the element of work experience. So you will maybe have heard the term training contracts. A training contract is a pathway to qualify as a chartered accountant that wraps in an employer supported um, element to it. So they will offer you the work experience element and they will also cover the tuition um, to chartered accountants Ireland. So a lot of graduates like it because it's kind of basically like a ready-made graduate program. So if you were at any of the fairs there recently, you would have seen a lot of our employer partners and we will showcase those as i say on our instagram page and also on the chartered accountants ireland training vacancy page so that is a page on our website which will list actively hiring employers so we aren't the employer as employers such we're that in that one half of the recipe the academic element the other half as i say is the um, employer work experience so you seek your graduate your postgraduate role with one of our employer partners you complete the program in your own time. So you work full time with, for example, you know, Sarah's from PwC there, they're an active employer partner of ours. So you would work full time with PwC, complete our program in your own time. It is a professionally accredited program. You get the letters SEA after your name and um, it's a professional level um, program. So, you know, I mean, it's tough. It's, you know, it's an extension of your academic journey, but it's absolutely worthwhile. I mean, when you get, even when I saw when I worked in recruitment, when you get those letters after your name, um, it really does open so many doors, just the passport is supposed to a career of choice. Um, but hopefully that gives a bit of a flavour of how it works. As I say, it is an extension to your um, to your studies. It's typically a three and a half year contract. That's the length of work experience we require from graduates to um, admit them to our membership. And as I say, you complete the academic journey and a number of exams with ourselves. The amount of exams depends on your background. If you're coming in much like myself, like I did coming from law and unrelated background, then there's three levels of exams you complete with us. And that's how you qualify them. Great, thank you. And if you have, don't worry if you don't know, because I can send something afterwards, but if you've got a link there, you could put through in the chat sure. maybe about that, that would be great. Um, so look, um, in the interest of time, I just wanted to ask now, I've, I've one final kind of question to end on, but before that, um, in the next 12 months, since Sarah, you know, we know that you've just put up information, PwC's um, rules. Um, I've been working with, with your counterparts at PwC, so I know there are live rules coming up and quite a few of them across the board. So that's really good news, both in placement and graduate rules for the next 12 months. Sinead, you've just given that update from, from your end. Um, Sandra and Alison, mm -hmm. can I just ask you, and you know, I know some of these plans not might be finalised yet, but are your organisations um, taking on any graduate rules or placement rules within the next 12 months? 
So we, we've got everything on our early career site, um, Claudine. So again, I was just trying to find and get the link there. So I will try and get that um, and paste it into the chat as well. Um, we recruit into our early careers, which is graduates and internships um, for uh, at NatWest Group. So it isn't specific to Ulster Bank, um, albeit you may end up doing a placement and rotation within Ulster Bank as part of that. Um, so everything is in our graduate site and we are we are recruiting for graduates. Um, we do that every year. Brilliant. And I'll just make sure then that we um, I'll follow that up, that we get those transferred on to, to my future as well. Um, and Alison, then, from the council's perspective. You're just on mute, sorry. Um, you're on mute. Sorry. <laughs> um, as I said previously, we don't have a graduate scheme, um, but and we do take uh, year out students, but again, they were put in hold this year and we're not sure just going forward for 21-22, how that's going to play out. Um, if we do have any opportunities, they'll be um, advertised through the relevant course tutors at the two universities. Yeah, and obviously keep an eye on the, on the keep website. Keep an eye again on our website. Yeah. yeah, and the no local government don't necessarily have graduate schemes, so it'll just be more of those ad hoc rules. It is. Um, so, so guys, the messages are quite positive then, and I think it's just a matter of, you know, uh, keeping an eye on company websites, keeping an eye on my future. Um, there's some other, you know, obviously psychology events coming up in, in February that will have different angles on them. And then we've got the main workplace and recruitment fair in, in February of next year as well. So just try and keep abreast of all these things. And obviously you've got Terry then um, and Patricia as a resource directly within, within the school. Um, in the interest of time, and I know everybody's busy, I just want to end by asking you all um, a really quick question, like literally just has to be a sentence or two. But, you know, if you think back that when you were starting off and you were perhaps in the position of our audience here now, so before you went out into the market, is there anything now that you would give in terms of hints or tips of, of words to wisdom then um, for the guys going out now? And, you know, even in terms of some tangible things or thing they can do to upskill and, and get themselves ready? So, Alison, if I can start with you. Um, I think what I would say is get as much experience as you possibly can. Um, and that's through, I think it was Sarah said about volunteering and, and that type of thing. I know from colleagues, um, that's the thing that they would say was most beneficial. You know, sometimes it's hard to get a job without that experience. And a good way to get the experience is volunteering because you can develop so many skills that way. Fantastic. And that should help go forward then in terms of jobs. Fantastic. Sinead? I would completely echo that. What I hear time and time again from our employer partners is um, just around the interview piece um, and students being able to demonstrate and bring their skills to life. And sometimes there's maybe a lack of confidence. I know whenever I was back at your stage, I didn't have corporate experience, like, you know, an office job experience. And I thought that would maybe disadvantage me, but I did work in the corner shop. And, you know, it's, I suppose it's about using the experience that you have, whether it's your part-time job, you know, if you're working in spa, if you're working in Primark, Tesco, or indeed, perhaps you haven't had a part-time job yet, but you're in the local football club or you're in, you know, a sports team or whatever it might be. Use all of those skills and experience and I suppose pick out what's relevant in that, the communication skills, working with others, managing deadlines, all that good stuff and use that at interview because it's about telling stories and having something to talk mm -hmm. about. So don't undervalue the fact that your work experience maybe isn't entirely relevant just yet. Yeah, get your own personal narrative of your journey, I suppose, and where you're where you're now at. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, I completely echo what everyone has said, um, and it is those transferable skills. So you know, Sinead said she had no office experience. Like at PwC, we recruit based on potential. So if you have that potential, you know, it doesn't matter maybe that you haven't you know worked in an office before. Um, and I think something that I wish I'd done sooner is you know just taking that chance and taking those risks and being brave and taking those opportunities it's always when I do something that I'm nervous of doing that I learn the most experience so I know that sounds a bit preachy but it is about grabbing basically everything, everything that passes you just just say yes and, and see where it takes you. Fabulous no totally agree and um, last but not least Sandra. I think we're going to continue on a the theme here, Claudine. <laughs> so I think I would echo again everything that has been said. Um, 
I would just say the big thing is take risks actually um, because when I think back even to my very first job after leaving Queen's I hated it but did, did I learn something from it? Absolutely. Have I used that in terms of explaining transferable skills? Have I used the experience that I've got got from it? 100%. So, so take that risk. Even if it isn't your ideal job, you will get something out of it. And then the other thing, you know, from my, from my time in Queen's, I remember the opportunities to volunteer were so many, actually. Um, so I remember doing things in schools um, and different work experiences, different look for all of those opportunities and pull them all together, even if it's just, you know, a week here or a few days there. It all adds up um, because employers, when you come out of university, are looking for that willingness to try things diff different and build on your skills. Absolutely. Thank you. And that's what's interesting, of course, is that you all come from different, you know, um, different organisations, but there's similarities there of the themes. Grab opportunities, be brave and, and have an open mind. Um, so I think that's a really good way to end. So huge thanks, Alison, Sandra, Sinead and Sarah for giving up time out of those busy diaries, particularly now after after five o'clock. And also to our students, you know, um, coming along and, and, and showing that you're willing to get involved and have an open mind about things again after after the hours of five o'clock. So um, and no doubt that was really useful. And what I would say to the students is just think about one tangible takeaway that you can take away from now and work on that moving forward. Um, so thank you all very, very much. And um, Mark, on, do you want to yeah, say yeah, I was just going to jump in there before you, before you finish. Uh, on behalf of the School of Psychology, can I just say thank you so much to um, all the contributors. It's been so interesting. I've learned a lot. Um, thinking actually of applying to be a chartered accountant in the morning. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's too late for me. But, um, no, it was really, really interesting. Great insight into you know the skills that psychology graduates can bring to, to the workplace and, and um, how valued they are. But, so look, thanks very much to all our contributors on behalf of everyone in school. Thanks to Claudine for, for organising the event as well. It's been, it's been really fantastic. So that's it. Thanks very much. You have been listening to Find Your Future, a podcast from careers, employability and skills at Queen's University Belfast. For more career helps and advice, visit go.qb.ac.uk slash careers.